Deacon Greg Jeffremo will share the, the reading this morning from Paul's letter to the community at Ephesus to the Ephesians. Let us listen for God's word. <clears throat> so then, putting away falsehood, let us all speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands, so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up, as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with which you were marked with, a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But fornication and impurity of any kind or greed must not even be mentioned among you. As is proper among saints, entirely out of place is obscene, silly, and vulgar talk. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Be sure of this, that no fornicator or impure person or one who is greedy, that is, in idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be associated with them. For once you were darkness, but now the Lord, you are light. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. Try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what such people do secretly. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For everything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, sleeper, awake. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be careful, then, how you live, <clears throat> not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time, as the days are evil. So do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks to God, the Father of all times, and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So I love the beginning of this passage. Then, putting away falsehood, let us all speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. I've heard, and maybe you have too, that very wise people sometimes say to themselves, 
when they're in a little bit of emotional turmoil. What is the story I am telling myself? And this gives them a moment to sort of zoom out, step back, and think about the narrative that they are constructing and to check it for inaccuracies or falsehoods and then sort of re-enter the situation having reframed the narrative that they're living in. So putting away falsehood, he's saying, let's tell a true story here. And then let's remember we are members of one another. We are not solitary. I think, um, well, first of all, you could try that next time you're in a little bit of an emotional tailspin. Just pause for a minute and think, what's the story I'm telling myself? But for a minute, I want to come to this passage with this question as a people, as all of us. And I wonder if this is the story that we are telling ourselves. Does it sound something like this? I am a full-fledged adult. I am the arbiter of my destiny. I am the navigator of this journey that I am on. I'm on a road. I have the map. I'm going to decide where and when and how to refuel. I am the authority on me. I know what I'm doing. And I think as Americans, we would add to this, that this journey that we're on, right? We love this metaphor of a journey. This journey that we're on, we are entitled to go it on our own because we are very independent. Especially as Americans, we would say, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I was listening to a podcast yesterday that was describing this sort of mythical pursuit of happiness that guides so much of our lives. We imagine we're on this journey and happiness is at the end and we are pursuing it. Is this the story that you tell yourself about your, your life as you go about your days? You're pursuing happiness in some way? And I also think it's interesting that every Sunday when we come here together, we begin with, no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here, which is very true. We mean it when we say it, but what we picture when we say it is so often you off on your own journey and you off on your own journey, me off on my own journey. We all just happen to be here together, but then we go off on our journey alone, right? Paul is saying to this community that he formed in Ephesus, we are a we, we are a gathered body. It isn't just individuals, you and you and you. I also love, I think a lot of us tell ourselves the story as faithful people, footprints in the sand is one of the most common metaphors that people use about life with God. So we think we're off on this journey and God is with us. I don't think there's anybody who doesn't know the footprints in the sand, right? If, when you know there's one set of footprints it was then that I carried you. I saw a great little comic that had a whole groove along the sand, and Jesus is saying, well, it was there that I dragged you. <laughs> we do know that God is with us, maybe carrying us, maybe dragging us, but it's still us, right? We're off on this journey, and it is very much a journey. So then we turn to this passage, which I have to admit I had Deacon Greg read because I didn't want to read it. It is preachy, right? Do this, don't do that. Be like this, don't be like that. And I think so often we go, click, all done, right? We don't want to listen to this. 
do this, don't do this. And it even says right there in the passage, did you catch it? You are little children. Do you want to be a little child? Does that jive with the narrative you tell yourself about being a full-fledged adult? But you are a little child, each of you a little child, and you should imitate God. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. So this is how you're supposed to walk on the path with God as your parent. So here is the different story that Paul wants to tell us. And we could borrow the old analogy pattern from the SAT. They have done away with this, by the way. So young people, you don't need to learn this. But toddler is to parent as you are to God. Right? Toddler is to parent as you are to God. And lamb is to shepherd as you are to God. This was the other metaphor that they used. As we're wandering on our way, we might get lost, and the good shepherd will have to come and get us and bring us back onto the right path. So here is the story that Paul wants to share with these people, who they'd heard of, you have to remember, they were pagans, right? They did not know the God that the Jewish people knew, and Paul is introducing them to this God and saying how they fit in. So, like you, these people would have said, I mean, where are you in this family? I mean, I think, um, right? That's me. I'm bringing the turkey to the table. No, no, no. Paul would say, that's actually God. Or you might say, okay, well then, this is me. I'm him. I'm going to carve and I'm going to serve because I'm the adult. This is my table. No, no, that's Abraham. You're actually all one huge family now. All of you, you're very different ethnicities, races, but now you're one big family, just as we were all knit together in baptism. You're all knit in, and you know who you are? You dear, sweet, little, wonderful you? You're this little person. You see that teeny little face peeking out? You're her. Maybe first time at the grown-up table, but still maybe, I don't know, six? You're a child. You've got a long way to go, and you have a lot to learn. And I think this bothers us. I think we tune it out and we stop listening because we don't want to be the little child. Would you go back again? Even if you had what you thought was a pretty good childhood, would you take one of these backpacks? Would you go back to school? You guys are going back to school in backpacks. Is it tough? Sometimes. I love school. I absolutely love school. But sometimes it's tough. You're not always in charge. You don't pick which day school starts. You don't pick when recess is. You don't pick when lunch is. You might not even pick what's for lunch. You don't pick when you go home. Grown-ups make all the choices, and it's tough to be a little kid, right? Sometimes kids aren't nice on the playground. You guys will always be nice, I know. But it is tough out there. I don't think we want to be the children. We want to be the adults. So I think one of the reasons sometimes we wouldn't want to go back to be the child is, do you know this love from Burning Man? I think it's, I better not catch it on fire then it really would be burning. So it's a figure of two adults, a man and a woman. It says in this passage, do not let the sun go down on your anger, right? Paul is saying this to people. Underneath our anger is often this inner child, It's the inner child that's reaching out for love and belonging and connection. And I think when we all pursue our own way, 
we all are set off on our own way trying to pursue happiness, we forget that what the little child is longing for is reaching out for that love and connection. And I think that the breakdown, when we think about childhood and parents and why it's hard for us to think of God as Abba or Daddy, as Jesus called him, is there's been so much damage done to the idea of raising up little children. And I say this under the shadow of all of the bodies of indigenous children who have been found at so-called Christian boarding schools. People have a very misguided understanding of how you raise up children that comes from a very warped understanding of Christianity and what the Bible actually says. So, do you know the phrase, spare the rod and spoil the child? First of all, it doesn't say that in the Bible. That's a misquote that was written in a poem a long time after, but people think the Bible says, spare the rod and spoil the child. What Proverbs actually says, and I have a bunch of different translations here, says, he who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. The translation turned into, well, if I said to you, I'll be right back, I need to go discipline my child, wouldn't that strike fear into your heart? Discipline means teach. We turned the idea of the rod into a punishing stick where we would physically beat somebody, and we think that discipline means to physically punish The people who followed Jesus were disciples because disciples are simply people who learn. And what this passage was saying to parents, if you love your children, people who love their children train them. They discipline them. They teach them. They go alongside them. And the image of the rod, picture a shepherd who loves, absolutely loves all her little baby lambs. And little baby lambs wander away, right? They get lost. They see a little nice spot of clover and they want to go chase it into the meadow. And they get lost, they wander away. What shepherd would take a rod and whack the little baby lamb with it to make it get back onto the path? Well, first of all, would that even work? No, now you have a hurt baby lamb who's afraid of you. A rod, when it said spare the rod, the shepherd's rod was to guide the lamb back onto the right path. And to discipline the lamb, the child, anybody, is to teach them how to go along the path. So God is like the parent who has this wide view, who can see where this path is headed. Oh, no, we don't want to go down this path. It leads to a cliff. We want to go down this path. It leads to the stream. God knows that we might want to wander off on our way on our misguided pursuit of happiness, but the right way to go is down this path together, which is how we have all of these metaphors for going down the paths. We are on our journeys. It's really, I think, such a shame that that's the idea we came up with. So has it been a while since some of you have spent time with a two-year-old? They do spend a lot of time pitching fits, having meltdowns, crying, And there's a wonderful book called The Happiest Baby on the Block and then The Happiest Toddler on the Block. 
And the whole message of the book is if you were to take a crying child and listen to them and understand them, repeat back to them what they're crying about, oh, I know you're crying because you lost your favorite toy. That must be really sad. That's really hard. Or, I know you are so hungry, and we have to wait another half an hour in traffic before we can get to somewhere we can stop and eat. Or, I know you miss your friend, and you can't see them this week because they're away. The child will stop crying and look at you like, that was exactly what I was crying about. You're right. It's so disarming for the child if you listen. But we don't listen. We say, oh, it's okay, it's okay. Come on, come on, we're going to do this. There are no perfect parents. I'm not saying this to preach at you because I am one. I know it's hard. None of us can be perfect parents all the time. But God is the perfect parent. And we are the toddlers. We can go to God anytime and have our meltdowns. And God is not going to come at us with a rod to give us a whack and shame us and say, why weren't you on the path? I told you to be on that path. And we're always perpetually toddlers because in life, everything is new for us. This is our first time in this valley. This is our first time trying to summit that mountain. This might be your first time grieving a breakup. When you're a teenager, the first time you break up with someone, you could go to your grandparents and they'd think, well, that person wasn't your forever person and there's life after this. With their perspective, they know that this could be a good thing when you look back, but to a teenager whose heart is broken, that's just where they are. And God meets you where you are and in prayer can listen to you cry. This is our first pandemic. We didn't know how to make it through this pandemic. We didn't know how long we were going to have to tough it out for. And we can get frustrated and go to God and cry and say, I missed these people. I didn't get to say goodbye to so-and-so. I am so sick of these masks. I am so sick of not singing in church. I am so sick of this. And God will listen to you as that perfect parent and understand you. No blame, no shame, no rod, just gentle discipline and correction that this is how we live. This is how we live together. So then be careful how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of your time. Be filled with the Spirit. Give thanks to God the Father at all times and for everything in the name of Lord Jesus. The only trouble here when we come to this passage is in our warped idea of what it means to be a toddler, what it means to be trained, what it means to be guided along a path. So the solution is to trust in the perfect parenting of the most loving God, most patient, most willing to take what some parents call a time in. Not a time out. You go sit on that naughty seat, but a time in. Come on, I'm going to hug you while you wrestle through this. Because what we're looking for is this longing and this connection. God sees us as this little one reaching out for love. And God will scoop us up in God's arms and hold us and hug us until we're ready to get back on the right path. God doesn't pile up the challenges. Parents don't make the challenges for their toddlers. They just help them through them. 
saying, I'm right here, I understand. And when you're done crying, to hold your hand, help you back up, remind you you are not alone, you are part of this flock, and to say, here we go. Let's try this good path together again. Thanks be to God.